0: Gear up as Cash Miller and his team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the agency power show.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Cash Miller, a host of Marketing Masters and the CEO of Titan Digital. And today we're going to be talking website design for nonprofits. everybody needs a website including those people you know that are charity organizations you know causes and such you know they're helping so many people you know across the country across the world in the u.s canada you know today i've got david pasarek he's with wow digital and they specialize in nonprofit websites so david it's great to have you on uh tell us a bit about you know yourself your agency you know what do you guys do
0: Thanks, Cash. Hi, everybody. Um, thank you for having me and hosting me on the episode today. What do we do? We're we're in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Uh, we work with nonprofits and charities, as you mentioned, on their websites so development and design, as
1: well as branding for them. Great. And so, like, I know you've been around a long time um, from what we were talking about beforehand. How many, like over the years, if you had to put a number, how many nonprofits do you think you worked with? <laughs> We're coming up to two hundred and seven. Okay, so you've got so just to establish, you have a lot of nonprofit experience. You know, as an agency, we've dealt with nonprofits and stuff, but it's not our area of specialty. You know, let say it's we're more of, you know, um, other, you know, for profit businesses, basically. Yeah. You know, so in the in the space of nonprofits, you know, websites really do matter. We're gonna cover a few things today, you know, but let's talk why, you know, everybody they know they need a website. Okay, that's a given. But why do they need a good website? Why do they need to consider redesigning their site and such? You know, things that have changed in the last few years and whatnot. You know, why do what nonprofits need to keep up to date on their, the designs that they actually have, their actual website and user experience?
0: So the biggest issue is that they're not up to date on technology. What does that mean? And we can talk probably for hours and hours about accessibility, but we, we know accessibility is a really, really big issue. Um, my approach is if you're not, if you're servicing your community, if you have constituents and your website isn't properly set up to be accessible friendly, then you're not serving your community or your constituents properly. You need to really be understanding of what their needs are and cater to them. Forget about the legal. Obligations and forget about you know lawyers that are trying to just sue to to, to get money because that's that's what they they're going to do because you know there's legal legislations and obligations and things like that. It really is the right thing thing to do. So um, accessibility, making sure that it, it works there, but also technology accessibility. How well does the website actually function on a mobile device?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If if COVID has taught us anything it's that people are
1: couch surfing with their thumb right so how
0: easy is it for them to use your
1: site on on their cell phone yeah the you know of course mobile you know made a huge transition over the last decade and stuff you know and and it's become really big that people do not realize especially a lot of small business owners they don't necessarily look at their traffic stats on a regular basis how much of the traffic is coming from their phones yeah you know, nowadays depending on the business and the industry you're in you know, it can be anywhere from half of it or something to up to 90 plus percent of it. You know, it's funny, like Facebook was, is it's like 90% or something of their traffic is all mobile, 90, 95%. You know, nobody goes on the desktop, except for people like us, that just because we have work to do, you know, on it, we might be running ads or something, which we're not necessarily going to do our, on our phones. So, you know, nonprofits, especially because a lot of them are also out there, they're, you know, talking to people, raising money and stuff. So a lot of people that they're dealing with are going to likely access the site, you know, on their phones too, right?
0: Yeah, and we conducted my team and I an audit of over 400 nonprofit and charity websites and there there were five learnings that came uh from there. Um the first was accessible so they're not accessible friendly. I already talked about that. Uh their website looks similar to other websites of that era. Their website looks really old and outdated. Typically, what that means is the website actually is Hold up, old and yeah. outdated. When is the last time content was was updated on, on the website? Um, the website didn't talk about their purpose and their need. What is the yeah. impact that that organization is actually having? Right, People don't want to just donate to an organization. They want to know yeah. that their money is going to a cause that is actually bettering humanity or doing x y and z whatever whatever it has to be and uh, the fifth one was no contact information or really hard to find contact information honestly. yeah
1: like people forget like it was it the about page is the number two most visited page contact information should always be easy but also you know um kind of what you mentioned like it's a nonprofit, you know, in which case, what is their mission? So, what is their story? And if their website's not telling their story, you know, why do you give to them? You know, what is it that they are doing that is making that difference because you're a nonprofit? If it's some sort of charity, you know, charity or one, you know, like, like I think of Goodwill stores, right? You know, people go into the store, they buy used products and things, you know, and whatnot, but the money, because it's a nonprofit, the money that they make on those things the, that they resell that might have been donated to the organization and stuff, where is the money you know going to food banks and you know, any number of other organizations to help people? So what is the cause? And if you're not telling that as you know on your website you, what your story is, why should they you know give you anything? You know why should they help?
0: A website is really like a twenty 24- four hour seven day a week 365 day a year marketing and communications employee for your company Mm -hmm. or your organization for your business what whatever niche you're in it doesn't make a difference that's what it's there for right and that's why to your point earlier oh you know like we all know that you need to have a website yeah, well, that, that's actually why. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the salesperson that never takes a day off. And even for a nonprofit, you're selling. You know, that's the thing. You're selling your cause. You're saying, this is, hey, if you support us, this is what we are doing with, you know, your money, your ch- you know, donations, whatever it might be. You know, if you're giving them anything, you know, be canned food drives and stuff, you know, but it's constantly selling. And it doesn't matter the type of organization. It's still, that's the job. You know that it has. Let's talk um the accessibility further, okay? because accessibility, a lot of people I think, and I run into people all the time uh, that don't truly understand the necessity nowadays. and part of it is is like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people taking advantage of the issue. you know lawyers and and you know some other unscrupulous people, not to say that lawyers are necessarily, but the ones that are taking advantage of this, they are. Um, so, what have you been running into? Because I've got a, you know, I've run into some situations and people too. So, what? Are, why is it necessary that you know your website is essentially ADA? You know, let me say it's compliant from an accessibility standpoint. Like, so what does that mean? You know, from a, you know, from the visitor standpoint, and then why does it matter so much that nonprofits are as compliant as they can be?
0: Accessibility in terms of websites means that somebody who is blind, somebody who might be using assistive technology, so maybe they don't navigate the web or use their computer using a mouse. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't use a keyboard. Um, There's an interesting piece of tech that somebody who came to one of my webinars was using, and it was a Braille uh, book, essentially. So it was converting what was coming up in closed captioning into braille that they can then run their hand across to, to, yeah. and I was like, Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. I, I hadn't seen that before that. Um, so imagine you put on a blindfold and you turned your computer on or turned your computer on first and then put the yeah. phone Right. Uh, how is it that you would navigate the internet? What is it that you would do? And there's special software that you can get. Some is free. Some is paid. Pros and cons to all of them. I don't really want to get into those. But when somebody lands on your website, what is it that as somebody who is blind or using assistive technology, how can they navigate your website? What is being said to them? And a lot of these assistive technologies will read out to them what's on the page. For example, one of the biggest culprits we come across is alt tags on images. Mm -hmm. Right? So anybody that's familiar with web... You know what an alt tag is. You can leverage alt tags for SEO. That's a whole other yeah. kind of conversation. But the the image should have an appropriate text, alt text specified on it to tell somebody what the image is. So if it's somebody sitting in a park drinking a glass of wine, it should say uh, picnic in the park with a person drinking. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, that way, when the screen reader gets to that image it's going to read that Mm -hmm. out to to them and they'll have context of what that
1: image is. Well, I wanted to, what I wanted to mention, um, one of my earliest clients, you know, years ago, she was blind actually. So before ADA and being, making websites compliant was even a thing, you know, nobody had really considered this is back in 2012. Um, so I sat down with her for a meeting and during the meeting, um, like I say, she was blind and she wanted me to build a website and she sold accessibility, like computers and stuff, you know, computers for like blind people, things like that. So she ended up, um, you know, we were talking about what she needed and everything. And it was fascinating because she used this technology, you know, while we were there. And she basically put on headphones and she had the thing read it off read every all the text that was on the site. She could digest, like, you know, process that information in that format faster than I could do it, being able to see it. (laughs) You know, it was incredible to see. But you can understand like the, you know, I say the alt tags and stuff, which we use for SEO, there's a way to do both. You can make it compliant, yet still use it for SEO. You just got to take time, you know, to do it. But yeah, you know, so that's what and you know people end up having to do is you know making it accessible so that people with disabilities can still go on the site and understand what it is that the site is about. Yeah, but let's talk some of the like the issues from a you know legal standpoint because in the US, I'm not sure with Canada but you know within the US, you know it's been really um I don't know. It's come up a number of times and it's getting kind of, it's starting to get kind of ugly what people are going about, you know, trying to take advantage of. Because the laws are very, here, pretty ambiguous, you know, to say the least. So people aren't sure even what to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a number of tests that you can run on your website, there's different platforms out there that you can run and find out all right, here are the issues that you're having with your website or your client's website, and you can build a report and you can work on remediation on those things. There are accessibility, um, overlays, uh, is what I would call them that you can use on your website. There's some big ones. I don't want to name them by name, but there's some big ones out there. Um, I see those as really, really amazing functionality Mm -hmm. to help enhance accessibility, not to remediate Mm -hmm. accessibility. Right, so you still need to get into the code, get into um, potentially changing design. One of the other big culprits that we come across uh, is color contrast. Mm-hmm. So for double, uh, WCAG two point one yeah. AA compliance, you need to have four and a half to one color contrast ratio. You can't have white text on a yellow background, right?
1: You won't be able yeah, to read right. that; it's too hard, even for somebody who doesn't have. Yeah, one, well, from a design, design standpoint, you shouldn't do it either, because yeah, we can't read it either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, so th- there's things like that, uh, that that the software packages can't actually detect. They can detect if there's an alt tag or not an alt mm-hmm. tag. They can't detect whether the alt tag is appropriate yeah, or not. Yeah, it's just going to read. So quite often, with, yeah. with CMSs, uh, if you take a picture with your digital camera or your phone and you upload it, it'll be like a timestamp.jpg. Like, that doesn't help yeah, anybody. Right. But it is technically an alt tag. So... There, there's some stuff with that in terms of the legal side. Um, up here, we're not really seeing a lot of issues around. I mean, there there is legislation up here um, in Ontario, which is the the province that I'm in. Uh, we have one of the strictest guidelines globally hmm. for accessibility. It's AODA compliance, which basically uh, says like you got to be double A compliant. That, that's pretty much, uh, but. It, it also talks about physical spaces and stuff like that. So if you have a store, how can people get in if they're in a wheelchair yeah. stuff like that? But um, in terms of digital compliance, uh, but yeah, I mean, like if you're served with a notice, what are, what are your next steps? How are you going to remediate this? How can you show that you're, you're improving on these things? Yeah. And my opinion is that you should be approaching your clients, taking a look at your own site also. Um, and then, Going and proactively trying to do things in advance of any potential issues.
1: Yeah, the so we've seen a couple of things, and I've run into people um, that have experienced issues. So what because they've sued, and you know, there's been lawsuits in different states and stuff. Um, in some cases, they've won, In some cases they've not. You know, so. Um, A couple of the bigger ones, uh, Domino's got sued a few years ago, and so did a grocery store chain called Winn-Dixie. And I think, um, I don't remember which is which in the sense of like one won and one lost. (laughs) You know, I think Domino's won theirs and Winn-Dixie was the loser on theirs, but the, so what's come up is you know sites becoming compliant and people with disabilities suing sites that are not. But what's happening here is they're actually so there's been some unscrupulous lawyers, they're suing small businesses, okay, suing you know organizations like nonprofits and such. You know that the idea is not to take them to court; it's to get them to settle. OK, so they find somebody that actually legitimately has a disability, but then the lawyer goes and targets, you know, the different organizations um, like we deal a lot in insurance and we've seen not our clients, but we've known we know of other uh, agencies that have been sued. Yeah. You know, and like I say, they serve them and all of that. But the idea is the lawyer wants to get to the settlement. He basically wants to get about six thousand dollars for writing up some paperwork. And they're actually approaching people with disabilities because they need a client. Yeah. And then they go after the organizations that they know the organization's large enough to pay them that money, not large enough to fight it in court because it's going to be more expensive to actually fight it in court. You know, I've got, I know we've got two clients that before they became clients had those situations come up and yeah, they still have to rectify the issue, but yeah, they ended up settling. I know of one that settled for $5,000, you know, but the original um, demand was for like 15, you know, and they come up with somebody. So there are lawyers that are doing that. They're finding somebody and they're partnering up and saying, look, you know, all I got to do is some paperwork. They'll settle, you get half, you know, or whatever number that they offer and stuff, you know, and so that kind of stuff is going on. And, you know, when you talk about that, that overlay, you know, with some of the organizations that have put out the accessibility. What I like to say is at the very minimum, yes, you need to go through the site because things like, you know, the alt tags and whatnot, because the software still can't read it properly if you don't go fixing that. But the one thing for these frivolous lawsuits that are coming out get that software we install it on our clients and stuff automatically because you know it gives you the disability symbol and you've got the ability to go through and change the contrast and all of the other stuff and the text sizes and everything i call it scaring off the lawyers okay because you've just made yourself the very even if you haven't done all the rest of the accessibility stuff that you know can be done to a site you've at least done you know they know that you've done something the lawyer's not you know, going to be good enough to go through the actual technical issues. As soon as they see that symbol that can be clicked on your site and it can flip, you know, and like I say, you can change the contrast and stuff and do all of these things. As soon as they see that, you're not low hanging fruit anymore and they're going to move on. They're going to go find somebody else that doesn't have it, you know. So we, hi- you know, I know from our standpoint, we highly encourage, and for us, it's an automatic thing. We install that no matter what, you know, because we're going to put some protection on there for you no matter what, you know, and, to make sure. Cause we, we do a lot of website transfers and stuff, you know, people coming over to us as clients and in which case it's one of the first things out the gate. So, you know, cause I'm a believer. Yeah. You got to make it accessible the very least to avoid that kind of stuff that's going on. Cause you, otherwise you will be a target.
0: Yeah. And to, to your point, it's probably not even the lawyers doing that research. They've probably got some really low cost labor yeah. or offshore and they're just building out spreadsheets
1: of sites that they come across. Yeah. Um, they just start issuing. So, yeah, you know, like I say just, you know, s- serving them up, you know, following lawsuits left and right, you know, for them. Um, so, yeah, you've got somebody that's just, OK, here's a bunch of them. They're not, you know, so like I say, but if they think it's not low hanging fruit because they see that they're going to automatically move to the next one and such. And like I say, they're not going to go after, they're going after small businesses, not a Domino's or something like that, because they want somebody that can settle for, let's say five to 10 grand. They don't want to end up actually in court having to fight it, you know, because they may or may not actually win the lawsuit. And they'll have court costs too. They want the settlement. That's the goal. Yeah.
0: And it's also their time. They they can't, Outsource somebody to show up in
1: court. For them. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, you know, so let's talk. Uh, okay, so you know, we got all the legalities and stuff, but let's talk. You know, if you're doing a redesign and you're a nonprofit, we talked about you know telling the story. Okay, so how do you go about that? How do you go about crafting and making sure? Because like I say, it's the experience now when you get on that site. You know, how does a nonprofit look good? <sighs>
0: So in terms of crafting the story, I'm just going to grab a book. Uh, Keep it right here uh, beside me. It's called Hooked on You uh, by Ian Harris. Small book. Uh, This is all about like how to craft the message. And I talked to my clients about this book so that those that are a little bit smaller, maybe they don't have writers on staff, but they're trying to do the, the work themselves. Many of our clients do have marketing communication teams where they've got people to do this but if they want to kind of venture on their own super quick read lots of great tips and, and insight mm-hmm. around that in terms of the website we know picture the what's the saying a picture tells a thousand words right video can tell a million words yeah. quick short snippets really showcasing your organization the impact you have the volunteering that you do the whatever whatever it is that you want to showcase that will help tell a compelling message and basically pull at somebody's heartstring to them go okay this is why i need to care get them to be empathetic to your cause and the people that you're trying to help so from that standpoint all right this is what we need to do um in terms of donations we don't want to just ask for donations we want them to donate to something specific right so if you're uh Looking at, you know, um, I don't know when this episode is is going to air. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, end of mid end of August right now. Start of school is coming up. Right. So if you are helping your community put backpacks for children together for back to school for low income mm-hmm. families, for example. Donate X number of backpacks like it's twenty dollars a backpack. They get all the pens, pencils, paper, binder, whatever. Right. How many backpacks can you donate? Yeah. Not can you donate fifty dollars, right? Try to gamify it in a way that is meaningful
1: to your yeah. Translate the money amount into something that's a tangible, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because it's like now, now we equate how many people. That's what they often do, um, you know, on the TV commercials that you see when it's like, hey, you help this many animals or this many hungry, you know, children or whatnot. Your donation of sixteen dollars a month, you know will help, you know, this many people in need. Um, so yeah, that's a great way to tell the story because then it becomes a little bit more real for them, you know, than just, Hey, give us, you know, your money. Um, I think of the, you know, you ever go to a restaurant and you, they, you know, like here Panda Express does it. And, um, you know, right. Would you like to round up? You know, it's like, okay, it's, you're doing it because it's easy. You know, you're paying, 1529 and you say round up to 16 so it's like they're still gaming and saying it's because that's the easy thing to do you're not doing any math we're saying would you like to round up and your donation is the you know that difference so i think that's a great way to go about it you know put it in a terms people can understand besides just money
0: exactly and if your organization is selling something whether it's access to program maybe it's twelve dollars to to go to this program in person Right. Or maybe there's some big uh, um, event that maybe you have a a local band that's playing for a charity event or something like that. And you want to charge $5 for admission. You can have that rounding up Mm -hmm. right there. You can tie it to another cause. You don't have to do this alone. As a nonprofit, there are other similar organizations that are kind of close to yours, likely proximity within the same town or village or where state, right? That you can connect with. And maybe you can do something together. Right, so if you're a hospital that's trying to fundraise for, um, I don't know, building a new ward or something like that, maybe you can connect with the local food bank. And if you're going to have some kind of event, you can ask people to bring non-perishable food yeah. to help. You know, right? and it could be a win-win, and, and you can increase your community that you can
1: market yeah. to. No, that makes sense. So, okay, if a nonprofit is going to take on such a project what are some of the pitfalls you know for the organization itself you know some of the challenges they will face in getting such a project done and what's your advice for them to come you know overcome some of those challenges because some of them can be internal to the nonprofit yeah so you know you've dealt with a lot of them so you've seen a lot of the situations that can arise so what are they facing
0: so you're talking specifically about embarking on a website redesign. Yeah, if
1: you're doing a redesign, you know, cuz obviously you're going to work with an agency, you know, potentially for that, but also internally you're going to have trouble because you might have boards and things like that that you've got to deal with. So, what are some of the expect, you know, things that they might face, but also how can they overcome some of them to make the process easier?
0: Absolutely. So, one of the biggest starting hurdles that needs to be overcome is budget. You need to know very clearly up front, what is the budget that, that can be allocated? Do you need a special um, allocation from the board? Is it going to be this fiscal or next fiscal? When is it going to happen? Um, so getting a clear understanding about the budget that you've got, that'll help you determine, all right, do we have resources in-house that can help with this? Or do we need total like outsource partner? To, to come in and work with us on that. Um, the next thing is taking a look at the actual scope of work. And this comes down to, in terms of budget, also kind of plays into this. Do you need an RFP? Yeah. Right. What is the budget threshold? If, if you need to go to RFP at $50,000 or $20,000, what is your organization's Uh, process around finances in that, because that's really also going to help identify that. Um, I worked in nonprofits for 16 years before starting uh, Wow Digital seven, uh, a little over seven years ago now. I get the whole RFP side. I've been on that side, the the amount of uh, pain that I would say is involved in getting to that, to be able to go and say, hey, all right, we now need proposals based on the scope of work. Um, If you have a little bit of budget, and I'm talking maybe 800 to to $1,000 to get somebody in a consultant to work with you on that scope of work so that you have a complete, um, a complete uh, SOW that you can put in an RFP that you can then get out and get um, apples to apples proposals. Yeah.
1: So during the, in the course of the project approvals and things like that, what are some of the things they're going to be, you know, facing? Because yeah, it, you know, you get the RFP, you get signed off, okay, so fine. Now, how do we actually get to the finish line?
0: Excellent. You want to make sure that you're going to hire an agency that has an established process of how to run a project. Um, it's going to be hard to find a freelancer that has, unless they've been doing it for years and years. But you want to make sure that they've got a proven process, that they can they go through X, Y, and Z. The biggest stumbling block that we come across with our clients once we start on a project is content Do they want the content rewritten or do they just want the content ported over? Chances are you need the content rewritten. You probably got paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs and nobody reads anymore. They just want to skim. You want bullet, there's best practices, right? So you want bullet points, you want things highlighted, different font sizes to make things stand out and call out and that, that type of idea.
1: So most likely you're going to need your content rewritten. Yeah. The other, another thing too is, uh, you know, on the nonprofit side, pick a consistent like a point of contact that's in charge of it. One person, okay, that you know the agency or whoever has to deal with, because sometimes you know the nonprofit's always going to have multiple voices, and you've got to have a like designated decision maker. You know, like who breaks the tie, because you end up with people of different points of views, and everybody's got some. You know, they've all got opinions and whatnot um but you can end up with a real hang up that no you get you know locked you know like in the inability to make a decision to move the project forward and at some point you know somebody's got to make the call and you know so don't get indecisive as an organization so a single point of contact somebody that you know cuz as an agency we don't want to deal with boards and other people and stuff involved and frankly they don't want to necessarily deal with us but it's like yeah you you got to make sure someone's got to be willing to make the call. Otherwise the project ends up stuck, you know, and we want to be able to move the project forward. You know, the organization, you know, the nonprofit does too, but they've got to see that, you know, because things can really drag out. Um, Would you have any last, you know, pieces of advice, you know, for nonprofits thinking about, you know, doing a redesign? I guess the biggest thing, and this
0: also leads to what we were talking about about stumbling blocks it's great to have meetings, but you've got to actually put one foot forward yeah. and take that step towards getting it done, whatever that happens to be. If that's chatting with me or chatting with cash or going into Google and searching for a nonprofit uh, web agency, whatever that happens to be. You've gotta actually put one foot forward in front of the other and in front of the other to get
1: to where you wanna be. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and like I say projects, you know, there's totally a benefit. You know, if you're not if your website right now is not really telling the story of your organization, of your nonprofit and what are the, you know, what do you do? Yeah, if you're not making a compelling case for yourself, then it might be time for a redesign. David, you know, how would people get a hold of you? If
0: anybody wants to reach me, the easiest thing is just to go to wowdigital.com. That's our website. And on there, you'll see a button to book a free consult with us. And
1: that will uh, come through and into my calendar. Okay. Well, this has been great, David. Yeah. Love having you on the show. I think for nonprofits, I say, you know. Knowing when it's time to redesign your website is an important thing, and there are a couple of key, you know, indicators that will tell you right away. You know, is your message really on the site? Is it accessible and such? You know, if it doesn't have these, then it might be time. I'm Cash Miller, host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Digital. We've had another great episode. Thank you for tuning in.
0: Thank you for tuning into Marketing Masters, the Agency Power Show. This show is produced by Titan Media Works and is a part of the Small Business Delivered podcast network. Check out smallbusinessdelivered.com for more info about upcoming shows, hosts, programs, and how you can start your very own podcast.